Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. I'm referring to comic books, <laughs> the podcast where two brothers discuss all the old comics they loved growing up. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other host, Will Hines. Uh, this is a bi-coastal phenomenon. I am currently in the city of Los Angeles, and Kevin is in either the state of New Jersey or the city of New York. I don't know where you are right now, Kevin. Right now I'm in New Jersey. I'm in Maplewood, New Jersey on my kitchen table. Give your full address. <laughs> oh, sure. Great. Uh, if you want to stop by, I just moved, so come on by. You just moved because you made so much money on this podcast that you've bought a series <sighs> of houses. Is that right? Yeah, it's so much money. I have to keep buying new houses to keep the podcast money in. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, you don't want you don't. It's, want a, it's an money. annoyance. Stop paying me so much, podcasts. Yeah, Kev, we have a um, we're breaking format this episode. We have a, a a guest which we don't normally have, but we do for this episode. That's right. We have a really cool guest. Uh, it's a friend of mine and an enemy of yours. That's right, Jara Milligan. What's up? What's up? And that is correct. Definitely an enemy of Will. <laughs> Kevin, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. And Jaron uh, is a host of his own podcast, or uh, one of three hosts of his own podcast, uh, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, which is a phenomenal movie reviewing podcast that kind of looks at um, movies from the point of view of how it uh, furthers black representation. Yep. Is that right? Much. Yeah, pretty much. We try to We try to focus on movies that we started off focusing on black actors, and now we're trying to run the gambit of... You know, if there's a movie we want to cover, we try to have a guest that fits that um, area, whether it's a female-led movie or a movie with all Asian actors. We try to sure. branch out and just discuss it all now. Uh, um, I got in, it's I got it's a great the, podcast. Yes, I got into the podcast with the Spider-Verse episode because oh, Kevin that. and I did a whole season on Spider-Man, and I thought Spider-Verse was such an incredible <sighs> movie. Just blew me away that I was sort of like devouring all discussion of it. So Kevin pointed me to your podcast, oh, and even though we you. are enemies, we are enemies though. Uh, I still listen to it, oh, and right. I really, really loved it. Did you hate listen? Did, was it like I a hate? hate? Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> Just when you spoke, <laughs> that sounds like almost everyone who no, listens. No, no. And, it, um, it was very interesting to listen to because. Uh, the, the Spider-Verse one, just because I love that movie, will love that movie, and then you guys love that movie, and then the things you talked about, of course, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't pick up on that or notice that, or that didn't impact me the same way. It was so awesome to hear you. It was like watching it again Man, with you guys. I tell you, that movie, when the trailer came out, um, because when I was younger, I couldn't afford Jordans, and now as an adult, I'm I'm basically like buying things I couldn't get when I was a kid. Yes. When I get money. And the fact that that Spider-Man had on a pair of Jordans the whole time, I was like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's so cool. You didn't care about the powers. You I, didn't care I, about. Honestly, I just remember, I remember the poster and it was just like him stuck to the side of the wall. Yeah. And he had a black and he had the Jordan ones, like black, white and red. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever because it was a superhero just dressed one modern, but just dressed like how I would dress now? Yes. I assume that visual design was originally created by Sarah Bacelli, who is the original mm. artist of the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Maybe not, but I, I think... I, think, I wow. think not, weirdly. I think the costume was designed by her, but the movies... I don't think he wears unlaced sneakers or a hoodie in the comic books. So I think that's all from the movie. Okay, well, another, oh, wow, another yeah. good detail from the movie. I think you're right. It's so funny. I used to, I used to uh, read... Because he was Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. So I yes, used to read, right. um, I think, the first book of, of Miles Morales. Um, so when we get his, his uncle and stuff like that, even I started reading it again once he came over to the, the, main, the main universe. And it's so funny. They just had this like, really big 
you know, Spider-Man all hands on deck. Every spider is there. Mm -hmm. And they made Miles extremely important. In that story. Yeah, he was extremely... I mean, he was stronger than Peter at one point. And it's just so funny that... I guess for me, I always get very nervous when new characters come out. And I will admit, as a person of color, I want to be able to be a superhero. But I do, to an extent, understand when people get mad about, like... A gender change or, or a racial change because at the end of the day, like visually, you grew up with a certain type of thing. So I was very mm-hmm. nervous for Miles's introduction, and I'm just yeah. so happy mm-hmm. that people like him, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's not he's not the black Spider Man now. He's literally just Miles Morales, which is yeah. very very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think the movie helps a lot with the that. movie went yeah. a long way with that. Just the same way that like the movie like bumped up like Iron Man's yes. stature yes. in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Although of course Iron Man was a popular hero. I think he was always like a second tier hero hundred the movies and now is like maybe the most famous Marvel superhero, yeah. certainly one of them. Yeah. And um, similarly, Spider-Verse uh, created um, a Miles Morales in, in the popular imagination so much mm. um, and gave that sense of humor and that mm. sense of like kind of good guy enthusiasm. Yeah. And it had one of the coolest themes. It was, which I think is was so, so universal, just the fact that Anyone could wear the mask. Anyone could like step up and do the right thing. And I thought that was really, really cool for them to touch on because you had so many Spider-Man. You had Spider-Pig. You know, <laughs> yeah. you had. I mean, some of my favorite parts of that movie, uh, Kevin and I did a whole episode on it. We're in, we, we, we will be in danger of talking about another whole episode because we love it so much. But I do want to say one of the parts I loved of that movie is the times when all the different incarnations of Spider-Man did something the same. Yes. Like, Kevin, do you, do you guys remember there was some part where they all said something the same, like. They all like very heroically said, I'll do it or something like that. Or like, oh, at, when they were trying to figure out who was going to um, stay, and stay yeah, behind, stay, stay behind. They all were like gung ho about staying. Yeah, because it's a real Spider-Man thing to kind of make that sacrifice. Or in the middle point when Miles is sad about his uncle and, he's, and they all list who died. Oh, and, and he's like, I, it's my fault. It's my fault. And they all have someone they blame themselves for. I was like, my heart like filled oh. up. I was like, oh, they all understand each other. And what then, a great thing for a Spider-Man fan to see and to watch it really got me good. Especially like, and they had another scene which to me was like first of all, I saw that movie in theaters probably five times. I saw it three times. I saw three times and I I started to get embarrassed. Yeah, I mean it was unnecessary. (laughs) I remember me and one of my um, teammates and comedy partners, John the I probably saw it I remember we had a show and we had nothing to do. <laughs> and he's like, should we just see Spider-Verse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, this is good. Like, let's just go see it. There's a scene where they're in the spider cave. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and Miles can't do, so, like, he can't, uh, he can't go invisible right. on, on, purpose. on purpose. He doesn't control it yet. And they keep trying to get him to do it. And they start, I don't know, man, they, they start trying to, like, see if he can fight and toughen him up. And they're, 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 you know, they're like clipping him up and like punching him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's trying and he just gets frustrated and quits. Yeah. And you just see the hurt, the heartbreak in all of them, especially the Peter Parker. Yeah. I, I was like, ah, oh, man, this is when you're so close, but you just don't know you're close. I feel yeah. like that's what happens to people in real life. Like someone is a day away from like breaking in Hollywood and then they just quit because it gets that's the moment where it's like, I don't, don't know, know that it's do right it. around the corner. You have no idea. It's also very Spider-Man to quit being Spider-Man. Like, yeah, yeah. that's very much a trope of that character story. Yeah. 
My, my concern, I'm going to keep talking about Spider-Man. Uh, my concern <laughs> with, with Miles was always that, what you, sort of what you said, Gerard, that he was going to just be the black Spider-Man because what separated him beyond that um, and that was my fear with the comic books. And I and I would read the comic books every now and then. I'd be like, I, he's a little different. The trappings are different. But he felt so much just like they just wanted him to be teenage Spider-Man. And he happens yeah. to be black. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't think that's what they were going for. But it felt like that to me. And I was like, oh, if yeah. you're going to do that, you might as well just. And I, and I would have had no problem if, like, in the movies they cast a, a black actor as Peter Parker. I was like, that seemed to be a better way to do it. To me, and then that Spider Verse movie came out, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. Now I get how he's different. Yeah, I mean, because it's so interesting. Where um, thinking about, I used to read uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson, which yeah. hits on race very, very yes. hard and very direct. Like the stories, dude. The story, the story is, which I'm assuming they're going to do in a Disney Plus show. Is that a you know put a yeah? Well, this part. was a this was a run in the comics. Will where Sam Kevin, uh, Kevin Captain America was dead. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Ahead, Captain Kevin, America was dead or presumed dead or, or maybe old. I can't remember. He, he, was, old. he was old. He was old. Mm-hmm. He'd become old. He'd, he caught his age had caught up to him and he had given his shield to Sam Wilson, the Falcon to be the new Captain America. Mm-hmm. And then it's so interesting about it is that, I mean, honestly, I thought it was really, really great and interesting. You know, for the most part, the government didn't want a black Captain America. Like, yeah. that's just, I mean, there were certain comics. He's flying coach. Like he has no, he has no team. He has no money. Mm. Um, and they touch on race in a very heavy way, where it's like the things, the the people he was trying to fight and help were just like kind of neighborhood people. And a lot of times he is going against the government, which I'm assuming in this Disney Plus show is going to address. And I thought that was kind of cool, even though yeah, he was too. the black Captain America. I think you had to discuss the black Captain America because America has so much I mean, it sounds history. interesting. That's the, the, the strength and the weakness of Captain America as a symbol, strength. Mm. So cool. You have this yeah. patriotic hero. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Makes sense, especially mm-hmm. since that character was born during World War II. Mm-hmm. But now, all right, America's a pretty complicated story. It's not 100% mm-hmm. good. What do you do about that? Yeah. The hero of your story represents something that's not 100% good. Well, that's actually a ripe opportunity for mm-hmm. some rich stories if mm-hmm. you don't shy away from it. So that's pretty yeah, bad. That's pretty I bad. often ask myself, which superheroes could you just change the race and it would still be feel like that superhero mm-hmm. um and captain america is one of the tough ones where it's just like because he's this world war ii i agree like uh icon like this little bit of propaganda almost it's like oh could he ever be anything but a white man it w- would it work would it, it make sense it's he's a more interesting story like, where like yeah. you could make spider-man latino or asian or anything and mm-hmm. he still works uh, and a lot of characters i think even iron man you could yeah. do that too and it would be like oh that's no different as long as he's Somebody who can like build armor in a cave. It's yeah, still the Hulk, Iron Man. The Hulk is the same. The one yeah. that is really hard, um, the superhero I love the most is Batman. Mm-hmm. And Batman's really a hard. Good segue. Because, because ba- oh yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um <laughs> because I got into Batman because I used to watch so <laughs> Yeah, let's get into it. Because we, yeah. we want to hear about your comic yeah. fandom. So it's very tricky because um I grew up in Southeast DC, which is not the best area. And my mom used to work a lot, so I wasn't allowed to go outside. So um, I used to watch reruns of the 60s Batman. Okay, so that, I love so, it. So I used to watch reruns of that. Um, and then Batman the Animated Series came out. Oh, yeah. And so I was oh, very yeah. into that. And I was, I was a bigger fan of Robin than Batman. Really? I was Because Robin was fun. Robin was yeah, young. Yeah, me too. Robin would crack a joke. Robin yeah. was like, 
it, it wasn't that serious. Um, and then as I got older, I guess I started relating more to the more brooding type. But uh-huh. the Batman was so cool. And the only hard part about the ideal part, I would if I make it in Hollywood, which I hope, and then if I can play a superhero, I would want to be Batman. It's just hard because you see his chin. So yeah. would you, you would need a world where people of color have money and he's not the only one. Because if he is, oh, yeah, then it's, like, it's like, oh, the rich yeah. black dude is clearly <laughs> Batman. You know what I mean? Unless unless they change up the story somehow where maybe he's not as wealthy. So it's, but you see his chin. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a hard could part. You, so could you just change his costume? I think you would have to. I think you would have to go with either, which is, which is even trickier. You would have to either go with like Batman Beyond or maybe... Um, mm-hmm. Or Batwing, or or mm-hmm. uh, the 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 Jim Gordon costume, but it's right, funny because right. I, I would like to be the Batman, and the thing is, it could work. You would just need to be in a Gotham that had more than one black billionaire in it, yeah, you yeah. know, millionaire. Yeah, but and, so that's and even then, it'd be like it's one of these two guys, exactly. <laughs> Although, as you pointed out, why can't that should be enough to narrow it down to Bruce Wayne, even though he's white. How many billionaires are running around Gotham? You that are see, young. You don't see that are of, young. Yeah, you don't see a ton of young rich people in Gotham. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But I, but Batman's so cool to me because, um, uh, actually, me and my therapist talked about this recently. I realized that as I, I'm growing up, <laughs> you are. I love the LA, idea of you yeah. talking to your therapist. Yeah. Like, let's. I got to talk more about Batman. It, but it's so funny. She brought it up because apparently I have uh, a superhero complex. Like I'm big on like uh, I will stay in like a relationship or something. Uh, mm-hmm. longer than I should because I f- feel like I can help the person. Um, and I do think that's kind of what superheroes do. I think it's uh, a very cool thing to choose to help people even though you will never get credit or attention or love. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing about Batman and Spider-Man to me. Mm-hmm. New York hates Spider-Man for the most part. You right. know? Yeah. They don't like him. His life sucks because he's trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman, to the greatest extent, to me, I'm more of the f- the fan club of uh, Batman is the person, Bruce Wayne is the mask, that that vibe. Whereas like your whole life is dedicated to one thing where you don't have an actual life. Yes. Uh so yeah, I loved man. And then also my top three movies, which are very random, um, Aladdin, The Wiz, and Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Batman, Batman Returns. Returns. Oh. I love Batman Returns. It is the hear me out. It is the best <laughs> Batman movie to date because even because more than Dark Knight? This is my thing. Dark Knight isn't a Batman movie. It's a Joker movie. It's a Joker movie. Okay. okay. Ba- Batman doesn't do any true detective work in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman technically, I mean, man, at the end of the day, he catches Joker because <laughs> almost Joker lets him at one point. Yeah. And then when he finally gets him at the end, is is very lackluster. Joker has the best scenes. But when you watch, and then also, also, Batman doesn't grow in battling the Joker in the Dark Knight to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you watch, uh, Batman Returns, Batman is challenged mentally mm-hmm. by Penguin because he's also rich. He can't figure out what's happening. You see him literally do detective work in that movie. Okay. Oh, a little bit. A little mm-hmm. bit of it. Mm-hmm. You see him fall in love. You see a situation with Catwoman. You see him open up. You see how bad that gets. Um, and also, it's a little bit dark, but still very comic booky at the same time. Yeah. And I think that is cool. Like they don't, I don't need a realistic Batman. Right. I want Bat... It's a dude... Who's just like a bat? Like I don't want him. I don't want to explain why he has tools and yeah. why he has the spikes on his gauntlet. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, just bite, fight the dude who's Clayface. Or I don't yeah. care, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't explain it to me. That's a cool thing what Marvel does. Marvel just hey, you're watching this. You want to see a superhero movie? Cool. We'll make it a little bit realistic, but 
Come on, man. We're not going to sweat the details too much. We're no, going to get to the fun stuff. This be fun. When I, when I was in college, the Mask of the Phantasm, the movie oh, from the so animated good. series, came out in theaters, and I went to see it. It came out like Christmas weekend, and I think I saw it. It was like two people in the theater, and I was one of them. Nobody saw it in the theaters. Um, and I love that one. And it was the same sort of thing. That animated series that you loved so much as well, Draw, is oh, so yeah. good because you see Batman kind of do everything. Mm-hmm. He does detective work. He grows. He changes. He uh, He's funny. He's cool. He's tough. He kind of gets to really do a lot more. He gets to be the star of his own story. This has been said a million times, but it's always impressive to me how well the animated incarnations of Batman like really got at mm-hmm. like great Batman stories maybe more than like any other medium. Like obviously the 60s mm. TV show is hugely popular at the old Adam West, you mm. know, pow, bam, and it's hugely fun, but that's not Batman. No, not even a little bit. Not even close, despite how fun it is as its own thing. And then, um, you know, the Tim Burton movies are spectacular and they're beautiful movies, but I still feel they're more Tim Burton than Batman. Mm-hmm. Um Christopher Nolan is maybe closer. I don't know. That's still more Christopher Nolan than like Batman. And he, Batman. But even the, that, but every Batman movie has a little bit of the Tim Burton imprint on it. He imprinted so hard on Batman. Yeah. Like the outfit is still Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. All when black. I watch the animated series, I'm like, this is Batman. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It is brooding, but still lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Not as much as Robin, but not as much. At, but he's still more lighthearted in the animated series because it's got to be family yeah. friendly yeah. than he is in a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. Um he is a good guy more than a broken man, but he's still tortured enough, and the yeah. look of it has that noir thing going. Yeah. The anime series is something else. I think Matt Reeves is going to do well because, one, he he made a franchise popular that should not be popular. <laughs> like, the Planet of the Apes movies, when it came back out, and they, I remember reading that they were going to focus on Caesar. The ape? I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> but, and then I remember watching the first one thinking, oh, this is pretty good. Um, and then once they really kind of stopped focusing on the humans at all and the second one came out, yeah, my goodness. It was great. I, I, yeah. I, I cared. And I, think, and I think him talking about Batman and actually talking about kind of what we're discussing right now is that Batman is the world's greatest, greatest detective and we've never seen him do it. Yeah. That is cool to me. It's like, you know, I don't expect this movie to have crazy fight sequences in it but i do expect to have a true noir um almost very hush like crime story to have batman in it which i think is very cool and also robert pattinson to me is a really good actor like i watched yes. um good times yeah, good and time, he's great man. i haven't seen um uh, what is the new one came the, the lighthouse i haven't seen lighthouse yet but Neither. i heard really good things about it so i'm i'm happy with him i'm in love with zoe kravitz so that'd be great Very promising yeah, I think Do you have good. thoughts, draw on the Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller comic book? Oh, see, the Dark Knight Returns to me is fantastic. Okay, it, yeah, it, it's it is one of my favorites. But I was like 15 when it came out, so I almost don't trust my own opinion over no, how no, much no, I love it no, because no. it is great. I even like the the two animated movie adaptations of it. Yes, those um, are good. They're very faithful to the comics. Super faithful, and the thing that's so cool about it is, and it kind of um, leans into what comic book we're going to talk about today is I like the idea of a superhero trying not succeeding and then trying again because I'm very big on I guess in life because I you know we're in the entertainment business I'm very big on what happens when you don't succeed right away Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like a lot of people quit and then all of a sudden you hear the story about someone making it when they're like 
48 or 50 mm-hmm. and it's like they just didn't give up mm-hmm. and the cool thing about the dark knight um um returns is one he outsmarted superman yes the he, best he the outsmarted superman, superman. Is incredible incredible and, and the thing about it is is that when he won he still let superman think that he won at first yeah yeah i thought that was really cool i mean he came back started a legion i mean not a legion he had an army of bat people who like <laughs> devoted to him and then also he beat up the mutants yeah um, the fight with the mutant is a really good example of like losing and then coming back mm-hmm. and also it's with a new villain that we've never seen before mm-hmm. that's issue two a brutal villain a brutal villain brutal, brutal. villain uh, I love I love the Dark Knight Returns. A lot of Frank Miller's stuff over the course of his career gets kind of oversimplified and kind of mm. dumb, I think. But at that time, he was just the master. I mean, the and I Joker, love that story so the Joker much. in that was so cocky. Yes, there's something about a there's something about a gangster Joker that I like. I know everyone likes the manic insanity of Joker, but there's something about a person who is sane and who chooses to do wrong things that makes it even worse. Yeah. Uh, the more is more rational can be scary sometimes. Yeah, because like, oh, you know what you're doing, you just don't care, and that is a very scary thing to me. And the fact that they had Joker in a suit, and you know, yeah, this and those cool, big Frank Miller shoulders too. Yeah, Wonder Woman was awesome in it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's hard because I did read The Dark Knight Strikes Back first. Yeah, for yeah, Oof. no, so I, yeah, I did read that one first, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to read the original. And then I also just read. Um, what was the recent one that came out like a year ago or two years ago? I think it was called Three. I mean, it was Dark Knight's Three. Yeah. Um, I read that and, uh, you yeah. know, that, it's, that it's, wasn't my It's favorite. madness. Yeah, that wasn't my favorite. But that comic, to me, set up Batman for the long run. Like, that helped inspire Tim Burton to make the dark, the darker, more brooding Batman. Yeah. It laid waste to comics later. But Scott Snyder's take on Batman is my favorite overall. So that's what we're going to talk about. So why don't we get into that? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do one more question before we get into that, Will. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> oh, boy. So Jarrah's also part of Astronomy Club, the yes. great uh, sketch comedy group that also just had a great show on Netflix. Thank you. Did Thank you watch you. any superhero stuff for yourself? Man, we had, man, <laughs> man, we had one sketch. James III pitched a sketch, and I knew... <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to go over because me and him are the only ones who like superheroes. Okay. He had a sketch that was really cool. It was um it was like a villain like Legion of Doom kind of meetup and basically he wanted to talk about uh how in all these movies someone will like grab the damsel in distress and then put her in a sexy outfit when she's held prisoner for no apparent reason. You know, Star Wars. I mean, even a Latin, the animated feature, Jasmine comes out in this red mm-hmm. two-piece thing where you're like, why is, what is, this is a kid's movie. And so he had this, <laughs> he had this comic about like, you know, I mean, the sketch about how villains wanted to take over the world and do all these evil things. And they captured uh, the mayor's daughter of like Air City or something like that. And this one low-level, um, uh, sidekick villain kept trying to put her in different outfits, but then the villains were like, "Listen, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that kind of thing. You know, we blow up, you know, uh, banks. We don't put women in things. We're we're woker than that now. And it's just this dude pitching evil things, but just like, hey, but I have this outfit, and then this outfit. It made it pretty far, but we didn't do, we didn't put it in the show because me and him were the only ones really like, yeah, man, people will get it, people will understand. I still think that was a good premise. I do. I think it was a very good way to talk about, you know, how we objectify women, but we didn't make it in. And I also wanted to, I think there was one more. Um, 
it was a Black Panther sketch that we wanted to do that was set. Like, I think that was James too. That was set in Wakanda. But I think at that point we had saw so much Black Panther stuff that. Yeah. And also yeah. we were doing, it's so funny. We were pitching the ideas. We realized, oh, no one understands the joke references we put in this. Hmm. Like we would put, you know, you know, if you watch the Black Panther movie, they have the like Wakanda bees that, you know, that does everything. You can see maps, you right, can right. fix things. Yeah. No one knew what we were talking about. Right, right. Like no one knew what vibranium was. Like no one, like no one had any idea of any yeah. of the references. And so, you know, we didn't get to get any superhero stuff in. Um, we got oh, season oh, two, no. damn it. I'm a force one. <laughs> yeah, you're just saying you want to play a superhero. I'm like, you had an opportunity. Man, I, please believe me. That's all <laughs> okay. I want to do. That's all I want to do, man. All right. Next time, ruin your friendships and get it in. Yeah, ruin if the that's show, what it takes. Ruin your career. Yep. Hey, but you get it. Um, I always think about uh, Blank Man and just ridiculous ways yeah. uh, comedians have found ways to put themselves in costumes yeah. and be a superhero for a day. I'm going to do it. All right. So, so great. Um, let's what are we talk talking about this about comic? For this, uh, for this, uh, this comic, um, so again, um, Scott Snyder's take on Batman is one of my favorites. Um, he ended his main Batman run and he's been doing, um, I think he did like Justice League, but um dc's black label is like really cool to me now because they can do like a little bit more dark a little bit more edgier comics so black label i think they just bought it back was it 20 i think actually in the end of 2018 2019 um they had this batman comic batman deranged or something like that and it was famous because they showed bruce wayne's penis you know i don't i don't know why they did it but (laughs) for some reason they did it but they've had this they've had um uh, it was it was it was uh, Batman Damned. Batman Damned, and then they had was it Batman the White Knight when the Joker became sane, and mm-hmm. then Batman kind of became the bad guy. Okay. Um, and this one that we're talking about today, Batman the Last Knight on Earth, is really cool because it's this kind of post-apocalyptic world. To me, how I compare it to people is this is Batman's version of um, uh, uh, Old Man Logan. Um, because the heroes have failed, mm-hmm. um, they lost, and we're seeing the fallout of what happens when all the heroes goes down. Uh, and I think it's really cool because this Batman is still young, and there's a lot of twists and turns in it. And you can kind of see what happens to some of the fallen heroes and some of the villains. But also, to me, the coolest thing about it is, uh, I know we're talking about episode, I mean, book one is three books. Book number three touches on, for me, what happens when a person again tries and tries and fails? What extremes will they go to to succeed? And then in doing that, do we lose a piece of yourself? Like sometimes you hear these stories about, you know, a politician that finally, you know, made it. But in order to do that, he had to bite the bullet on something else that screwed somebody else over. You hear about some of these actors who, you know, are famous now with this, this script that changed Hollywood. But then you find out 10, 20 years later, their friend who you never heard of actually helped come up with the idea. Right. Um, so this is what that kind of touches on to me. And I think it's just the visuals are also just very cool. Um, yeah, yeah, this artist, uh, Greg Capullo, I think I'm pronouncing it. That's correct. Is he's great. He just draws very super heroic superheroes, which is a silly thing to say, but I think sometimes it's in vogue to like comics that look a little different, a little weird, a little strange. And this guy just draws like almost like what comic books were meant to be drawn like in this age. Yeah. And also this, and you know, once we start breaking it down, um, this comic is based on something that a lot of people talk about just like in the comic book world where um, some people believe that Bruce Wayne is actually insane himself and he's in Arkham Asylum and 
the whole Batman joker riddler all all those things are just manifestations in his mind and alfred kind of like keeps him you know kind of keeps up the charade of it because he broke after his parents died you know and it's like this kind of touches on that and takes it a step further which i think is very very cool um yeah so just for our our listeners um we're gonna cover just the first issue this is a batman uh the last night on earth a night with a K. Uh, it's a three-issue series, like Jarrah said. Uh, we're going to kind of go through the first issue page by page. It's a long comic, so we'll go. We'll probably skim some stuff mm-hmm. um, just to give an idea. Um, so, if you want to follow along, that's the issue that we're doing. Sweet. So we're going to take a break right now, and then we're going to come back and do it. Oh yeah, we have to take a break. So uh, we'll be. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. All right, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this issue. Batman: Last Night on Earth, Book One. Yes. It's <laughs> 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 so, so good to me. This cover is great. Uh, I, I am the least familiar with this book and the least familiar with everything here, but I will. So I, I came to this with fresh eyes when I read it for this episode, and I love this cover. Um, shows him walking along in some sort of red dust-like thing, and it's just a silhouette of Batman's costume, which is very Dark Knight Returns to me in a way mm-hmm. that I like. And he's carrying a lantern that contains the Joker's head. It's also evocative of this thing that I don't think is that well known, but there was a movie in the 70s called The Executioner's Song hmm. that had this sort of image of a person walking silhouetted carrying like a light. And it really haunted me as a kid. And I wonder if the artist is, uh, wonder knows that or if this is the coincidence. Oh, we but just saw that too? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that movie. Could be something you would arrive at independently, certainly. Anyway, this is, and there's Joker colors in the, um, in the title. It's green and red. Batman's oh, in green and Last Night on Earth yeah. is red, and Joker is a big fixture in this. Yeah. Um, you, you cover, I assume you like it, Gerard? Well, yeah, I like it because it shows the weird relationship between Batman and Joker, where they always will be the yin and the yang. And even, again, from this image, you don't know what the heck is happening with Joker, but the fact that even just a severed head of the Joker is still somehow connected to Batman is so interesting. And he's mm-hmm. carrying it. And you're yeah. like, why is he, what is happening? What's why is happening? he carrying yeah. this? It's so cool. Um, so let's get into it. Page one. There's a, somebody's drawn chalk on the ground. Yes, which I love these kind of like misleading things because you're wondering, all right, who's who's drawing this chalk? What is going on? Um, and then we see Batman racing. And the thing that's so cool about this is that at least for me, um, before I read the comic, I had no idea what was going on at all. Like I didn't know too much about what the comic was based on or what kind of story they were going to tell. Uh. So this was a cool setup just to see him race through the city. And it's so funny because if you look at the panel on the left, I, I love stuff like this. But the first panel is daylight, bright, and then it instantly goes to like dark and rainy. 
in the very next shot. Yeah. It's like, why not start? I guess because you have to start the concrete. But it's like it goes from um, daylight, chalk mm-hmm. outline, Batman, which is now rainy. Then it goes back to uh, non rainy, but still night. And then rainy, and then back to non rainy again. It's just like, what is happening, man? <laughs> it's interesting. I reread all three issues today preparing for this podcast. But when I read them, I read them as they came out. And so. I like read the third issue. I was like, oh, that was fun. I don't remember the first two issues at all. And so now I read it all in a row. And it's like, there's a lot of things that sort of set up in this issue that don't really get brought back mm-hmm. until the third end of the third issue. Um, even this, the third issue ends with like a little chalk drawing. Um, and I was like, oh, weird. It's like a weird bookend that, I don't know, because I read it over whatever, four or five months as these three mm-hmm. issues came out, I missed it all. And it's interesting that, you know, they're taking you back to Crime Alley, which is, I will say this as a Batman fan. I am tired of seeing Crime Alley. Um, <laughs> I, I just—I like, feel like I see Crime Alley a lot, and I read like one Batman issue every ten years. Yeah, man. Between the movies, the cartoons, uh, comics, like we just keep focusing on Crime Alley. And I think when I saw that's where we were going with this, I was like, "All right, what? What are we about to do? Like, do yeah, we have to yeah, do yeah. something else here? Is it going to be Joe Chill again? Are we going to relive the whole death of his parents again? What, what we start with is Batman we, is investigating something, and it turns out that somebody's doing a chalk image in a different section of Gotham every single day. And if you put all of those images together as viewed from above, someone is drawing a giant outline of Batman as if he's one of those like chalk outlines at a murder scene. Mm-hmm. That's, what you, that's what you learn yes. on page two. And his heart... Where Batman's heart would be is where Crime Alley is. Yes. Yes, the aforementioned cliche, too often visited Crime Alley. For people who aren't super familiar with Batman, Crime Alley is where Batman's parents were shot. Yes. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot about the opening of this comic I do not understand. (laughs) I I got real confused reading this. As someone who is not intimately familiar with a lot of the Batman mythology, I got lost. I had to text Kevin to be like, Kevin, what happened in this issue? In in a way, going over issue one is a terrible idea because none of this makes sense really until you get to issue two or three. (laughs) I can see that the art's beautiful. Yeah. I can see that I can sense that the writer has something in mind. There is sort of like an epic feel to it, but mm-hmm. I am still confused. Yeah, because even this scene here when it's like, you know, okay, we see the, the zombied child Bruce Wayne. Right, Bruce Wayne gets to Crime Alley to investigate. It's raining out. There's a kid with an umbrella, and when he lifts up the umbrella, it is like a 10-year-old kid who looks vaguely like a young Bruce Wayne, but he's dead with zombie eyes, and it's gross. Yeah, and I don't understand, like, Kevin, does this... It's so funny, I just read this again. Does this come back up or get addressed ever in one of the episodes? No, there's a few things in this comic that I think are just there to, um, I don't know, kind of probe into some things. There, So this is, he, I think this is him remembering a case that he actually dealt with when he was young. Um, mm. And what's revealed at the end, spoiler alert, there's a huge spoiler, but it's not important to the story really is the Joker did this. The Joker set this whole thing up to make Batman lose faith. Um. And then Batman didn't lose faith. Like he, Joker kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and Batman just to sort of be like, it's done. Because this was like a clue, that I don't think it's revealed in this issue, that leads to Batman finding out that maybe his parents uh, accidentally killed Joe Chill's child. And so Joe Chill was killing his parents in revenge. And so like, Mm. it wasn't just crime taking down his parents. His parents deserved it somewhat. 
and like uh, everything he's done his whole life has been for a lie. None of this is true, but it's what he's been led to believe at one point. Mm-hmm. And instead of giving up faith, he just stays being Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, on I don't know exactly what page it is because there's not numbers on here, but it's somewhere around page six or something. There's sort of what I think is the big reveal that basically all is not as it seems. And kind of for the rest mm-hmm. of this issue, you don't know what's real and what is an illusion because Batman approaches this dead body he starts radioing information to Alfred and then we see that this isn't got some he's part robot or there's some kind of mechanized aspect to this kid pulls up a gun and shoots Batman and then we cut to Bruce Wayne opening his eyes as he's strapped down in Arkham Asylum and what didn't make sense to me when I first read it or even on my recent reread till I got to the end is that is not a like hallucination from him being in this asylum. That is an actual memory he had. That's a real case Batman worked. Oh, because I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out was that real or not. That is real, and it is not. Uh, so, what's going to be revealed in this comic? And we're just, it's, there's no way to, to talk about this comic without kind of spoiling some of the elements of it. Spoil it. I'd love to understand it. Kevin. Is that? Um, this Bruce Wayne is a clone, the one we're going to be following in this story, The Last Night on Earth, is a clone of Batman. Um, but he has the memories of the real Batman. And this is and a so thing. He, and so he remembers it. this real case. But the, this clone of Batman is currently in a fake Arkham Asylum where they are trying to make him think his life, uh, that he can have a normal life, that he's not Batman, which is confusing and misleading and doesn't really matter to the story overall, even though it, it seems more important. It does nothing for the story, but, but the Batman having a clone is something that is discussed so often in Batman. Even um, if you watch Batman Beyond, you yeah. realize the last season, Terry McGinnis um, has some of Batman's DNA in him. Uh, yeah, it's a reveal in the Justice League uh, the future episode. Yeah, and it's like, it's one of those things that's so interesting because, you know, depending on which comic you read, you know, Amanda Waller, has Batman's DNA just in case he dies. And then he has a protocol just in case he dies. Um, so the fact that like this Batman is a clone is so interesting, but like Kevin just said, it serves no purpose to have him in this, uh, insane asylum. Just to me, it is only done to address what fanboys have said for a, a while. Like, Oh man, baby Bruce is insane. And yeah, he's imagining everything. So at least in the short term for this book, we go through a phase where it looks like Batman is being held prisoner in a fake Arkham Asylum. And there's like a Truman show sort of like fake world built around him. Mm -hmm. And in this fake world, they're telling him, you're not Batman. You went crazy. This like fan theory that Jara's talking about. We kind of like see what if that what if that theory were true? Let's like play that out a little bit. Am I right on that, uh, gentlemen? Yeah. And then he wakes up the. You know, the Joker is his, is his doctor. And I will say this, they do, you know, Alfred comes in. and I, Sorry, let me not skip ahead. But when they start explaining things in some of the later panels about, like, how Batman learned how to fight, why he can speak so many different languages, and they start name dropping some of the villains, but the, all the villains work at Arkham. Yeah, in this current short-term lie, the people mm-hmm. that we know as Batman villains are, like, empl- they're telling him, mm-hmm. oh, those are just employees of the hospital that mm-hmm. helped you, and because you're deluded, you thought they were villains. Yeah, like, you kept trying to dunk Dr. Al Ghul. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, this is like that. I thought that stuff was very, very interesting and like pretty cool. Um, so, so skipping ahead to um, 
uh, I think we'll just skim through this asylum section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. We get some really cool Batman detective work, weirdly, uh, in this asylum scene. He's um, Alfred talks to him and is trying to convince him all this stuff. This is what Dara was just talking about, where Alfred's like, oh, you trained here, and this is how this happened, and this is all these things that happened. And at one point, Alfred puts his hand on Batman's hand, and when he does that, Batman realizes, oh, this Alfred is not real. It's not what it doesn't. Uh, he's he is real, but he's not a young Alfred. He's old, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's oh, really cool. just a really cool moment of Batman start is maybe buying into it. He's trying to figure it out. He's trying to make sense of it all. And then the last panel on uh, I don't know what actual page it is, but it's like it's 20, somewhere around page 19, twenty nineteen twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman says, "I'm going to need that suit back right now because he's just figured out. No, I'm Batman." <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't believe this lie they're telling yeah. him that he's crazy. He, I didn't realize that it was after Alfred touches his hand, but that's what keeps. I still it. want to know what the touch means. Like, how does it, how does he know from the touch? In, in a few pages, uh, uh, Alfred shows up and he's like, "How did you figure it out? Was it my pulse?" Something wow. like that. Um, See, Gerard, you need Kevin wow. as a brother for this kind of detail. It's like wow. Um, where was it? Um, was it uh, my pulse? Somewhere wow. there. Um, so we. Let's he so Kevin. Uh, well, let's just get into this part. We, we we move into part two, which is called the right hand. And Batman again in this what, what is revealed to be a bigger lie later. But for it right was my now, heartbeat. Story, yeah, it was my heartbeat. He says it around page twenty five, twenty six, somewhere in there. Anyway, so go on, right hand. Um, the Batman who has been told, no, you're just an insane person and not Batman. No, he's like, no, no, that's not true. Goes on a rampage and starts beating the crap out of everybody in <laughs> yep. this fake Arkham Asylum. Like we, the beginning of part two, he has already worked his way through several floors of these fake Arkham Asylum. He's just beating the crap out of everybody, which that's pretty fun. I like yeah. Batman on a rampage. Yeah, makes sense. Also, it, but also it's kind of scary because... I'm still trying to figure out, wait, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? Because he's fighting in basically a straight jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you're know? still waiting. The story might decide that, no, 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 he is crazy and he's yeah. wrong. Whatever, yeah. Like, he could be, he could be yeah, wrong. When this section starts, we, we still haven't been told whether what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. And at some point he confronts the Alfred of this world and the Alfred sort of drops his, some sort of disguise. And we see that this Alfred is actually quite old and is not a young Alfred. More more evidence that this whole world is that we're in right now is kind of fake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's Kevin, and that's and that's when they talk about the heartbeat. And Kevin, this is where I started skimming the words and I missed a lot of stuff. Okay, <laughs> cool. Cool. Like it's, that's the way you read comics, right? Like you That's the sort the, of professionalism yeah. this podcast yeah. brings. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> There's a lot of words. But uh so Bruce and old Alfred have some kind of weird heart to heart or something like that. He's not mad at this dude somehow, even though he's trapped Which him in Which makes his... no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred just, he wanted Bruce, this new Bruce, this young new Bruce to not have to be Batman in the awful world that exists. But it doesn't make sense that he put him in an equally awful world. But but also what we are never addressed who put him there in the first place. So, so this, this it is old... sort of addressed. Diana says she gave Batman to um, Alfred. Oh, so that Alfred was trying to just protect him. <laughs> so he was trying to convince him that he wasn't. Ba- okay, got you know, it. You know what this reminds me of is there's that story um, 
Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and that is a Superman story from the mid 1980s. Mm. Jira, most mm-hmm. of my comic book references are from the 1980s. I've seen, I've read it, I've okay. read it, I've read it, I've read it. <laughs> I've read it. Mm-hmm. And that's an Alan Moore story before they did the Crisis reboot of Superman. When they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths reboot of Superman in the mid 80s, they like basically dismissed a lot of the continuity that had gotten too complicated and just sort of simplified the history. All of it. it. Yeah, and just kind of started over with what they considered the basics. So a lot of the stuff that had been established in the 1970s was just like gone. Mm. And um, so right before they did that, they went to Alan Moore, a genius comic book writer, madman, and were like, would you like to do a story with all these characters and stuff before we kind of throw it out? And so he did a story, you know, whatever happened to the man mm-hmm. of tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking at Gerard, but I know you've read it, but I'm kind of talking to the audience. Uh-huh. And that story kind of had like everything in the kitchen sink thrown into it. There's like Brainiac and Luther and like Lana Lang and Lois Lane with superpowers and Jimmy Olsen turning into a giant turtle. Or I don't, I don't know if that happened, but that's the kind of mm-hmm. thing that would have happened. And like all these characters and tropes and stories and the, and the, that future legion of superheroes that comes back from like the 24th century or whatever and visit super, they show up and like the city in a jar and oh yeah, it's yeah, all like idea. crammed into this issue where the story's insane, but it's just like a tour of all these things. And it's, it's fun. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then at the end of it, who cares? Cause the story that, you know, very soon in the comic books, that's all going to get rebooted. This reminds me of that it's like revisiting a lot of just like fun stuff about Batman. And it's less about how it holds together overall and more about just the ride as you mm, go through all this that's stuff. That's what it feels like. I mean, it's so funny because um, right now the current Batman run, what is it? I just finished uh city of Bane. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because I personally have never that and um, the most current run of Thor, King Thor, Thor. Um, I've never seen a comic uh, lay roots so early on. Like that story is wrapping up things from four or five years ago. Whoa! Yeah, like hmm. it's it's just it's just so everything was so planned out so early, so far in advance, and this does feel like a continuation of what Scott is doing or did. For Batman starting with year one and then with what Tom what is his name what's the current it's Tom Tom King Tom King Tom King what Tom King is doing um Tom King's doing Batman yeah so it's he like just left he story, just finished right? his Batman run it's really good oh. Kevin he, the Tom he finished King it and he's, he's gonna do like a coda in a book called Batman and Catwoman hmm it's long. It's a long it's run. It's super I, long. It's I like I'm like I like some book. of what Tom King did but that book felt like um I was like, you could cut half of it and it wouldn't change the story at all. <laughs> I mean, and it's so funny, but I, I do like what he, he does. Another tangent. I do love what he, what he, how he tests Batman physically and mentally. I think that's really cool because I, I do love a good mental challenge. And then, you know. Gerard, do you read like everything with Batman that comes out? I am a big Batman fanatic. So I will read, let me try to think. I read normally the main Batman run. Do you read Detective uh, Comics? Do you read Justice League? I I read I used to read Justice League, but then it got too much for me at one point. Um, I did I did read um uh was it Metal? Um, yeah, I did read Metal. I did read um Batman and the White Knight. I did read Damned, which all right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damned was just a little 
I think I think at one point like Harley tries to like sexually assault Batman. It was just damned like, is weird. It's by Brian Israelio, who I really like, but I didn't really like Batman Damned. He did another Batman story a while back that I really enjoyed. Uh, I forget what that was called. It was like a six issue series with Eduardo Risso, and it's great. It's really fun and simple. I, I normally keep up with Batman and Spider Man. Those are those are my two. You've said it already, but just just so that I know, what is it about Batman that you connect with? Well, Batman to me was a guy who has no. The, I think the thing for me that I like the most is that I like superheroes. That I mean, Batman. I, I people always say his superpower is being rich, but I like the fact that he's just a dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember one comic, single minded, he's obsessed, just obsessed, and just like trains. Like you know, we're recording this after Kobe Bryant passed away in the. I was telling somebody today, the thing I loved about Kobe is that Kobe wasn't the best when he first got to the league. Okay. He made it to the league, but he sat on the bench mm-hmm. um, for he two seasons. 19 or whatever. 19. 18 years old. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't a LeBron. He wasn't How a dare Zion. he not be the best at 19? You know, you know, but like he made it to the league. So people are like, oh, you're not the best. But I remember just hearing stories about how that dude would just train harder than any and everybody to be better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am really big on humans willpower which would make you think i would want i would like green lantern but green lantern has assistance with it like green lantern his imagination is great and his will is very strong but physically without the ring i mean he's not the smartest he's very brave but can he handle himself batman the beauty of batman is like batman can handle almost everybody just by thinking of a way to do it yeah um and the reason i like spider-man so much is spider-man is also a kid who is a kid who has kid life problems and still decides to save the day. And even as he gets older, when we get college Spider-Man, a young adult Spider-Man, his life still relatively sucks. Yeah, right. Um, and he still does it anyway. Yeah, the never give up aspect of Spider-Man yeah. is, it, it is great. It's yeah, just, the, it's just the best beautiful. moment in every single superhero comic is where the superhero stands back up. Yeah, and that is, and that I think in real life is just so hard. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you get knocked down so bad that you... You think ah, I don't? I don't want to do this again. That's one of the great elements from the Captain Marvel movie. There's like a montage at the end yes. of, uh, of of Carol Danvers, Brie Larson's character, throughout her life, getting knocked down and told she's a she's a girl, she can't do this. And then there's like a montage of and it's and like it's this memory is being given to her to be like, see, you've always failed, uh, Carol mm-hmm. Danvers. But then the next moment in all those memories is her standing back up. I mean, that's so hard, man. I'll tell you this. Uh, a tangent. Last January, I was done mm. with entertainment. I told uh. John and James, I was like, I can't. One of my friends, who's one of my good, good friends, he's like a little brother to me, um, uh, Cameron Johnson, he is on Batwoman playing um, Luke Fox. And I remember, if you know me, I obsess about Batman. Like, okay. so much so that uh, even if you just met you through this yeah, podcast, you know that <laughs> it is a Batman is a big deal to me. It's a, he's a very big deal to me, even so much that I'm like that guy when people say Batman is their favorite superhero. I'm like, okay, and I, I will test you. Like I'm yeah. that jerk, which I try my best not to be, but he's so popping. I just have to. So um, I love it. I've had in college, um, <laughs> in college, I think my 20th birthday. My college roommates um, and friends threw me like a surprise party, which I went home because I was sad because no one said happy birthday. What I didn't know is that uh, they were setting up a Batman birthday party for me as a 21 year old. So I had a pinata and all this other stuff. Um, My first 
my first grade birthday, my mom had a surprise party, and that's when Batman Returns came out, and like, she had this big Batman Returns cake, the girl I had a crush on was like Catwoman somehow, I was like, how did you know this? <laughs> and so, in January, you know, pilot season January came, 2019. January 2019, January 2019, um, pilot season came, my friend Cameras had booked this this role on Batwoman. I was like, I didn't even know that part existed. Like, I would have wanted to audition for freaking mm-hmm. Luke Fox. Yeah. Because um, he gets a, I mean, I don't know if he will, but he has to get a costume at some point. You yeah. know, <laughs> at some point he gets a superhero costume, which I'm like, ah, fucking costume. <laughs> um, and I remember for me, you know, I was getting into the 30s and I was like, all right, I think I've tried. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I think I've tried. And I remember, I remember my girlfriend at the time got really, really sick. And so Astronomy Club came to L.A. to pitch our TV show. And I wasn't even going to stay for it because as far as the show came, you know, me and my friend Jonathan, I did a lot of work to help get everything ready for the show. And then I I was feeling very neglected by the team for all the work we did because almost like we did a bunch of work and everyone else got to pitch it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and so it was like, ah, man, everyone's benefiting from this, just even the pitch. And then watching all my friends who are younger than me get movies. I had one friend who was in Detective Pikachu and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, Your friends with Jaden Smith? Uh, <laughs> uh, Justice Smith. No, Justice uh, Smith. <laughs> Justice Smith, yeah. So I've known him for a while and it's just like everybody was just killing it. And I remember saying I was legitimately done. Didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to audition. Just, just done, done. Um, and then <laughs> James, like a jerk. I think someone bought up. Um, I think someone bought up Batman. Will Batman quit? And I was like, screw you, man. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work for me. But then, I mean, eventually it did, and eventually we did get the 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 TV show. But that standing up is so hard because it, yeah. especially if you have, to, especially in real life, if. Your personal life isn't going where you want it. Your professional life isn't going where you want it. It just feels like there's no reprieve from just the stress of life. Yeah. Um, but then even now you realize. But I guess that's why those superhero moments resonate so hard. Yeah. It's like you though, see it. That in the three-point land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the two most important things. <laughs> yeah, the emotional importance of never giving up and landing in, uh, with a hand and two feet. Which makes no sense. Why is it cool? <laughs> like, why is it legitimate? It looks off balance. Yeah, why is it? It looks like you almost fell but we all love it oh my goodness that's a jack kirby pose i think is it i don't know i mean it it looks like something that jack kirby would draw a lot i have no idea if he will likes to credit everything uh to jack kirby or steve ditko uh even if it's not true oh you're a kirby fan it's not true yeah kirby fan okay okay. i'm a a ditko fan and and i've become a kirby fan through this uh podcast Mm. I mean, I, I loved him anyway, but I'm well, glad. I'm glad you didn't quit or haven't quit yet, Tra. Thank you, uh, thank I hope you. you. Don't, man. Uh, Astronomy flows. Club, <laughs> Astronomy Club is so good, and I mean, everybody's good in it. But man, you are dynamic on the screen. You were dynamic uh, on that show, and man, thank that you. would stink if that people didn't get to see some of that. Do you guys do a Herald on that show? Remember, uh, was so funny about it. What's it was so funny? Um, it's hard because. Um, you guys are improvisers, mm-hmm. uh, and for the people listening at home, like you know, people make fun of impro- improvisers a lot. What? But I mean, I even <laughs> watched. Have, <laughs> have you guys watched that show? You? Uh, it's on no. Netflix oh, or something. Yeah, I heard about this. I didn't see. Season it. two, they make fun of, like, you know, I was the three of us are from UCB, um, New York, relatively. They make fun of UCB LA to such an extent, <laughs> where they make fun of our festival, almost our whole way of being. I love it. Um, but I think for Astronomy Club, it was so hard because we 
came from scratch. And I remember we became a team. We were the first all-black team. I remember the day we were announced, I was still interning. I was at the theater. And people didn't know who was on the team yet. Mm. So I remember talking to people who didn't make teams, people who are legitimately friends of mine. And they were crapping on, um, oh, I heard there's an all-black team. You know, they're just mm-hmm. doing this mm-hmm. thing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I never said a thing. Never mm-hmm. said a thing. Um, until someone, I remember someone congratulated me for making it on a team. And they're like, wait, you're on that team? I was like, yeah, we've been rehearsing since October of last year just mm-hmm. to be a team so we weren't just like forcibly put together and it's hard because I think did you audition as a team? we auditioned as a team we, yeah I remember that we, was an option in New York for a while where for a while could, uh, we trained as a team so it was James likes to call it as speaking of comics uh, he likes to the, the call it like the Avengers of, of of improv like he I didn't know anybody okay. I knew one of my teammates Shantane in passing because I met him as a, at a diversity I almost quit again. <laughs> I was interning. I was interning. Actually, Kevin was Kevin. I remember everyone who said I used to intern at Chelsea on Saturday night. Okay. And I used to work the door on purpose because I didn't know anybody. And I remember every performer who said hello. And now it's the thing that I try my best to do no matter who I meet. I try to ask everyone a name because I remember performers would walk in and no one would ever say hi to me. Mm. Kevin would say hi. Natasha Rothwell would say hi. <laughs> Anthony Tammy would say hi. Um, <laughs> And um, Ryan Carls will say hi. Ah. And, I, and, I rem- and I remember I remember working the door, always open the door because I'm right there. And people would just never say hi. And it bothered me to such an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, Phil Jackson uh, was the only black guy on a Herald team, a house team in New York. Right. And he was leaving to come to L.A. Right. And I remember people being like, oh, man, y'all hear about Phil. Phil's leaving. There's gonna be a spot. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. But I remember people were like, yo, it's gonna be a spot open. Like we like, and I remember I didn't know one of my teammates, Ray Cordova, that well. But I remember I would see him every now and then, and he was black. I was like, yo, I think he brought it up. Hey, you heard Phil's leaving? And it was like the big rumor: Phil's leaving. Does it? Who knows? Somebody might get this spot. Ugh. And then nope. And I think like a white dude got it. We're like, damn it. And so James, I think after that moment, James uh, started reaching out to like Keisha Zoller and people like that to get people together. So we started rehearsing and the team started out at, as I think we had maybe nine or 10 people. Some people fell off and mm-hmm. the others kind of laid on. Um, Chelsea Clark was our coach. and kind yeah. of. I remember really, her talking about you guys early on about how good everybody was. I'd man, say, no way, not true. Not true. She's spearheaded everybody. <laughs> I mean, she, I will say for, for everything is, and it's, we are eight drastically different people and she did a hell of a job because we all came from different levels of comedy. Like I would consider myself more of an actory background. Like Bray Lock is very smart and like he can and come Ray up with a punchline. Ray was like an improv maniac. Like Ray took oh hundred classes or something. Ray loved it. James would come up with crazy characters. Um, Caroline had been improvising since she was like 14 yeah. or 15 and we all i mean monique does characters and is very pop culture savvy mm-hmm. shantane went to harvard uh and then we all but all seven of us all watched keisha on stage mm-hmm. so to me when i first got to ucb the the first black team i saw was doppelganger which were three black women and keisha was on that team so the fact that being on the team with her was kind of crazy and i remember before we became a team i had quit being an intern and I was leaving UCB. I was done. I mean, I think the day I saw Shantane, because I also was interning on a show called Indie Cage Match on Sundays, um, just to like kind of be in the scene and get to know people. And I remember that was the day I told them I was leaving and Shantane just happened to be at the bar at UCB East. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey man, I heard about this practice group. Do you want to show up? 
And then that, that was everything. That kept you going. That, that was everything. I, mean, I think as, as a matter of fact, I was, I was so over everything in New York. I told my job I was leaving and I was like, I'm moving to LA. I'm mm. done. And then uh, we started rehearsing and then UC, matter of fact, we became a team in April of 2014, I believe. And in March, I told my job I was going to leave and move to LA. And I was like, well, I guess, guess I have to stay now to, see, <laughs> to, ride, to ride this thing out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I almost quit again. Dang, that's Damn. yeah, man. I almost quit again. Man, I need to stop quitting. But yeah, that standing <laughs> up is hard. <laughs> uh, that standing up is hard. I mean, because even if you look at this panel right now, like Batman is digging himself out of the dirt. Yeah, I just want to say in the comic, we left off. He was in a fake Arkham Asylum hugging Alfred. Hard cut to him in a red desert with his hand digging up out of the ground. It's, it's insane. And that's insane, right? It's insane because, again, even thinking about the later parts of this comic book, this is still not addressed. I don't know how he got here. Kevin, do, you, do, do, we, do we talk about how he got here? I don't. I, I guess that the, wherever he was was buried under this sand. It's not quite addressed, I don't think. Like, he just, like, what is this? Like, we still don't know why the Joker's he headless. Himself out of a red sand thing. There's a staff with a lantern hanging from it, just in this endless red desert. He blows dust off the lantern, and inside, it's not a lantern. It's the Joker's head <laughs> hanging from a hook. Uh, and he's alive still. Who is alive. And so um, it's very God of War, actually, the video game God of War. Oh, yeah. And so uh, Batman's walking around with a talking head as sort of an insane counsel to him. It also, again, the thing that's so funny about this, he's in... Uh, who is this uh, insane asylum attire? He's got it, his, still got a straight jacket on, and it's it, it's just a cool visual. I just and I the visuals are great in this comic. Man, if they made this into one of those DC animated films, it would be so awesome. Be I gotta so imagine they will. We I mean, move they into gotta. part. Uh, this is a very popular comic. Is that true? Yes, it is, and it also just involves it, lots of uh, different DC characters. It's it's mm-hmm. it feels like it fits the mo of the, the sort of movies they're attracted to. There is sort of a video game feel to this comic. It's kind of just yeah. like going from sequence to sequence and yeah. Batman has to overcome something and he goes to the next one and it's not 100% clear yeah. why or whatever, but it's just like time to go to the next sequence and so it, we it, move on. That's why I think it feels like a, a lot like Old Man Logan as he's traveling across the wasteland. Like technically this Batman is traveling across a wasteland yeah. running into, you know, for instance, um, in one of the, uh, the previous We're in part page, three, the asylum. Yeah, at the start of part three, you see... Um, Mogo. The, Mogo, and you see the the Mogo, the, the Green Lantern planet, the planet that which is isn't dead, Green Lantern, which is dead. That is just in the sky, and you see the um, uh, Legion, uh, Legion of Doom, League of Do- Legion of Doom. Is it Legion? Legion of Doom. Is a Legion of Doom. Legion of Dooms. You see their hideout, which is upside down and and smashed, and that kind of to me is reminiscent of um, Old Man Logan when he's in the desert, and you see. Uh, you see Thor's hammer. Then you also see the T-Rex that is um, the symbiote and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if we're talking about the, the Venom movie, symbiote. What did they call him? They called it They called it something so weird. I was like, why are y'all pronouncing it that way? Uh, <laughs> I don't symbiote. remember. I saw it on TV or on uh, whatever, HBO or something. Man, to me, very fun movie. I know people hated on it. Very, very fun movie. That's how I, I didn't see it. But everyone who saw Venom that I talked to would be like, is it good? They'd be like, no. But... That movie's fun. It's, it's fun, man. It's it's not good in any way, but it's so fun, and I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm here for the sequel. I'm here for Woody Harrelson's very, very ugly wig. <laughs> um, 
I'm here for um, all of it. So in this comic, Batman is wandering some kind of maybe fake, maybe real post-apocalyptic wasteland that has a dead Green Lantern planet. This is real at this point. This is all real. Okay, sorry. So, uh, but some kind of, we're in the aftermath of some huge war or Mm -hmm. something because there's been all kinds of destruction and it's Batman wearing a straight jacket, carrying a talking Joker. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, and then he's attacked by Green Lantern babies. Yes. They look scary. Yeah. And basically, I guess the, what's happening is the rings have just attached themselves to whoever's around, and they're just wielding themselves, um, basically. Yeah, that seems to be what's happening. The, like, ring, the rings are alive, attach themselves to either dead bodies or zombie things, and they are just using the, these like ha- brain-dead people as inspiration to make these just random expressions of rage. Which is so interesting. And then we get our wonder. First off, one of the most interesting characters that I think people don't talk about enough is Vixen. Uh, not Vi- yeah, Vixen. Yeah. Um, is Vixen because her powers are so interesting. Like she could basically have powers of whatever animal she thinks about. Was it she has to touch her totem? No, she thinks about it, right? What I think she has to touch her totem with her hand, but I mean, that's. And I think there's only certain, I don't know. I think there's certain animals that she can do. I don't know if it's unlimited animals or, yeah, I think it's, there's certain animals that are in her totem that she can channel. Love it. The most, um, it's so funny. So, um, Big Sin appears out of nowhere, takes. With Poison Ivy. Yeah, with Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, who to me is one of the most slept on Batman villains. Because I feel like they always overly sexualize her. Um, uh, But the thing about her I think is so cool is that she actually is extremely smart, but also, is she a villain? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's just defending yeah, nature. Like she's like Captain Planet turned up to notches. <laughs> um, and also, which is so cool, I don't, I don't know if you guys watched, but uh, the DC Holly Quinn cartoon on DC Universe. I have not watched uh, it. It is so fun. It is so so fun. And and Lake Bell voices her, and she's just over it. Almost yeah. everything. No matter what's going on, she's just super over it, super deadpan, and it is very, very cool to see. I'm a big fan. I'm going to move on forward to part four, which is called Echolocation. Yes. And somehow our Batman is in some kind of, I don't know where he is, but he's standing with Vixen, uh, Poison Ivy. Is that Supergirl? And then Huntress? the female Gene Simmons from Kiss. Who is this, Kevin? I think that's, ah. Huntress. I think that's Huntress. Huntress. And is Huntress Batman's daughter in this universe, or is that an old school thing that I'm way out Th- of That's Earth with? 2, Will, and this is, uh, that's no My longer bad. exists in the that was Crisis universe. This is My Prime. Bad. This is Prime. My bad. This is Prime. Earth Prime, okay. Um, I'm an Earth 2 dude. <laughs> I miss Earth 2. Yeah, these are the Amazons. These are the new Amazons. Okay, led uh, by Wonder Woman? Wonder that's right. Wonder Woman. Okay. Wonder Woman's got cool mohawk here. That's rad. Yeah, and like a scarred face. She's been through some stuff. So we get basically a Wonder Woman Batman sequence where they're mm-hmm. kind of dealing with each other. Yeah, she's updating him on you know what's happening. She uh, sort of explains a little bit how this apocalypse happened, though it doesn't really make sense to me. Like Luther just talked to people or something. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense because she basically says we lost, but the villains lost too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and you're it's like, Luther what? did something to get people to rise up against the superheroes, and then people rose up against all the powered people. But but to me, it's something to that. And I think um, Zack Snyder was trying to, I'm not, he didn't do it, but there is something to his Man of Steel where if someone today, we found out an alien was amongst us, among us today and he was trying to save the day, there is 
the world will be split. Oh yeah. People would praise him and people would be terrified of that person. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, I would be nervous about it. A hundred percent. Cause hey, that person, um, I don't know if you guys see a bright burn. I did. I, I did. It. I loved it. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell would happen? Yeah. Well, and nothing it, could stop this guy. And also spo- spoiler. I love the way bright burn end when yes. his evil justice league is for me, you know? Wait, you, I didn't know oh, you didn't say to the, you didn't say post credit scene. In the yeah, end, in the end, um, there's a news report. Like I think, is he fly off? So in the end, basically they have an evil Wonder Woman and an evil Aquaman. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see it. So 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 evil Aquaman, evil Wonder Woman, and then also, um, they reference uh, uh, Rain Wilson's character, Super. Oh, so Super, so Super's. A part I love of that, that movie. Way. He's like the first. Oh, yeah. This is like James Gunn's brother wrote Brightburn mm-hmm. and James Gunn had done Super. Oh, and that's interesting. Yeah, man. So it's a little interesting. It's like, what do you do when you have a whole world of super villains? Fun. You that's know? fun, I say. No heroes. So something's happening where this Batman is in a bat cave. He's t- talking to some kid. I'll be honest, Kevin. At this point, I lost the plot almost completely. I mean, basically, uh, Wonder Woman's like, the world's ravaged. You should stay here and protect the people who live underground with me. Uh, and then Batman says, no, I'm going to go try to save everybody. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we find out much later this is yet another attempt by Joker to make him give up. This is not, no. Okay. <laughs> you, oh, you're pitching your own uh, plot line. I, I thought I was right. But uh, right. You're pitching your own plot line. I love <laughs> it. No, no. This is Wonder Woman going, hey, look, the world's done. What do you, you, if you go up there, you're just going to die. Protect the people who are alive. Love it. But because basically there's this supervillain, Omega, that is done is now like leading. He he learned the anti-life equation, and he's basically ruling this apocalypse. And it was Omega a villain before this no. series? No, okay. he's revealed so who he is in this comic. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, and, and and she's like, you can't defeat Omega, and also there's no point. Just stand her here and protect the people who are not under his control. Interesting. And Batman yeah. doesn't stay. He doesn't. He gets up. Just like Jarrah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to get up. Just he, like Jarrah. You got to get up. Shantane at the, uh, when he's interning for Indy Cash yep. match. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. Shantane is so Diana. Funny. <laughs> it's so funny even thinking about that. It's like, oh, yeah, man. I remember I remember it. I was done. Uh, uh, what's Jenna's last name? She was running the theater. Jenna Barton? Bar- uh, Barone? Barone. She, she was the or one Marone. in charge of my internship. And I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm done. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, wow. I think some, you know what it was. I Jenna's think um, I think people forget like um, people. So I remember there was a day and at UCB on a on a Saturday, the 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 audience is so insane. Okay. Like I mean, you would get bachelorette parties, you would get just drunk people coming in, and I remember, um, in order to get out early, you would try to start cleaning early. So if the last show was at midnight, you'll probably start cleaning at eleven thirty or something. Um, a couple came in for the last show, super wasted. They kind of get into an argument. All of a sudden, I don't know, I'm cleaning up. You hear the, the stand-up on the mic goes, hey, someone's throwing up back here. And people start laughing. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, this isn't a bit. Hey, interns, you should probably. I'm talking behind the wall in Chelsea. Mm. So he's behind the wall. And then when you we went back there, it's just like a river of throw-up. Oh, no. And I was uh. like, oh, my God. I was like. I'm done. What are we doing? Yeah. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know. Batman had to clean up a bunch of throw up. People just don't know it. <laughs> people, just, people just don't know. He definitely did it. He definitely, definitely did it. Oh, uh, goodness. <coughs> this this story that we've looked at this episode is really ambitious. It's like huge in scope. Mm-hmm. 
Is that typical for this guy's stories? Scott Snyder is very big. I feel like his his Batman definitely started with year one and Year Zero. Wasn't it me, Year Zero? Oh sorry. Yeah, Year Zero, sorry. And he did something that was really cool and can't let me know what you think. It's like one of my favorite Batman villains is the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And he made the Riddler a real villain. That's because like, you were a fan of the Adam West TV show. <laughs> probably. I think Cause so, because you know, the Riddler was one of the best parts of that show. Frank Gorshin uh, was so good and so iconic that I think you and I and people who loved that show oh, were just yeah. like, oh, when is the Riddler going to be as cool as he was on this TV show? He was like one of the big four. And yeah, then in and the comics smart. for a long time, he just felt like a nothing. He's so smart and it's so interesting because... Um, what? Let me see. Let me see how long it's been out before I before I spoil something. Uh, I want to give people a chance to watch. We're it. spoiling tons of stuff. Uh, but spoiler alert: the animated version of Hush um, uh, addresses that. When did it come? When did that, when I don't know when that came. I didn't see the animated version. I actually don't right. think I've read Hush. Oh, Hush is one of my favorites. Sure, I can't believe you found something Kevin hasn't read. I'm oh impressed. yeah, I mean you should read it. It's, it's really good. But I will say this: this is one of the times where I think. Um, the animated movie has done it better. I'll like just watch Hush, that then. Hush introduces this brand new character. And, it, you know, this is another story that plays on Batman's detective skills. Basically, someone is attacking him personally, like as Bruce um, and as Batman. But he has no clue. The guy's always one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. He's taking out people. You can't figure out what's going on. He's taking out. He's using villains against Batman. And they seem to be working against their will. Uh, and it ended up being this kind of made up guy from Bruce's childhood who Batman saved his parents' life, but his parents were like jerks and yeah, it made his a, life work. Like, you know, he's like a peer of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And so he was trying to kill his parents. Batman ended up saving them, made his life even worse. But what the animated version did was um, the animated version ended up making a Riddler. So the whole thing is like this huge mystery. And mm. when you got to the end, ended up being a Riddler because the Riddler was tired of being, a C-list hero, I mean, villain. Uh-huh. And I think earlier in the episode, you know, uh, in the movie, Batman, like, catches Riddler very easy and then pays him no mind, and then Riddler gets pissed. So Riddler is made fun of by Batman and every other villain. And so he m- takes it upon himself to make sure that everyone knows who he is. Like, he has every villain working for him. Mm. Uh, he, all, he legitimately almost kills Batman and mm. Catwoman. Mm. Um, and to me, now that he is one of the, I think he, my theory is he will be the main protagonist of the new Batman movie. Hmm. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people in it. I think Catwoman is going to be doing her Catwoman thing. I think yeah, there's, there's lots of rumors that. of a lot of villains in this movie. Yeah, I think it's going to be more. I think it's going to be more than the three that are announced because um, they said they will be going to Arkham. So I think you probably will see cameos. But I think the Riddler is going to. I think they're going to do a little Hush story. Hmm. I think they. I think they may try to do something that's kind of like that. Because he's so good. He's so smart. The other That's theory cool. is that it might be doing uh, one of the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale books. Like, uh, what are those called? Long Dark. Halloween. Long oh. Halloween or something like that. Kevin, do you like how I knew that? Yeah, <laughs> I, was imp- I was impressed. First off, Kevin, you can't see he's so proud. He's yeah, so I mean, proud. It was, <laughs> that came out well after 1980. He's <laughs> pretty so good proud. for me, yeah. yeah. So, but I, that is smart. It is smart. Um, my theory is, is that if, you're, if Matt Reeves is planning a trilogy... And I think he is very smart because if you watch um, Planet of the Apes, Caesar's tested in various ways. Um, on the first one, he's just trying to figure out what he is. Uh, the second one is his leadership skills. And then almost uh, the third one is like a savior almost. So if I was Matt Reeves, I would use the first one to test Batman's mental. His second to test his 
physicality and the third one to do whatever the hell. But I think you can do something different with each movie and give them all different feels if you attack his heart to. in the third one. Oh yeah, that might. You know what? That'd be a really good thing because it because because if Catwoman is in the first one, I mean she's possibly in all three. Then you could use that to break them. Yeah, you know, I, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, if all I need to see is Batman do a herald. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> he comes to that third beat and he's ready to give up, but then he finds the perfect connection and it all works. Uh, you know? Maybe Robin does a walk on. I don't know. I'm ready for it. Man. Batman's a, a great voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> man, a good third beat is hard. He's, he's never yeah. thrown by anything unusual. Facts. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm prepared for this. <laughs> I've anticipated every possible third beat. <laughs> Everything. Um, well, Kev, what do you think? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we, we had to zip through that. Co- that's a lot of comic, and we had a lot of story and a lot of draw to get into. I think we covered it well. If you if you like Scott Snyder's other Batman stuff, you'd for sure love Last Night on Earth. It is a dense read otherwise, but I think it's still worth it. It's beautiful. At, at the very least, you're getting a very beautiful comic filled with ideas that the best you're getting in a story you're going to really love. Uh, as somebody who was confused throughout and who was not a regular Batman reader, I'll say that I definitely could tell reading it that it was like done with a lot of love and attention. And that always comes through even when you're confused. Mm-hmm. And I like that epic feel. I'd recommend reading uh, all the words to our listeners though. <laughs> uh, that, yes. That probably would have helped my enjoyment. Of it. <laughs> uh, I think actually I did read all the words of the first issue and I, I ran through the second and third and that's where I really started to, to get lost. But, yeah. um, Anyway, I, I could tell that it was that it's something grand, which is very cool. Yeah. I mean, I would say read because I, I do like the third book of this is is my favorite just because of how the cliffhanger. Not it's not a cliffhanger, but the twist at the end. I'm usually good at seeing twists, but I just didn't see it coming. The third uh, issue is the best. Uh, it definitely all reads better in as as a complete story too. Because as I said, I read it as it came out, and it didn't hit the first issue. Didn't yeah. hit me that hard. The second issue, I don't. Me- I didn't remember reading it, and the third issue I really liked, but it didn't connect with me as hard as when I read the first two issues first. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just like, um, oh, where is the reveal? Sorry, I'm trying to show uh, Will my favorite part. Just uh, this reveal was just so cool to me. When you see old Bruce Wayne, whoops. Uh oh, oh boy. Sorry. So read sorry. Last Night on Earth if you want to see what Will just talked about. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's really cool. You enjoy it, and honestly, I understand why this character is in the movie. I mean, book. Sorry, not the movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this is a movie. Right. It's a it's a movie on paper. Thanks. Well, um, Jara, thank yeah. you so much for uh, coming on our podcast. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you. For, yeah, thank you for taking the time, Jara. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, uh, Jara's great. Everyone should follow him everywhere. Don't oh, let yeah, him quit. Uh, I mean, this is a compliment. You're a huge nerd. <laughs> you're you're, you're uh, definitely obsessive about this character, which I appreciate, and um, I love it. And, I, and, I, and I'm I'm here for any comic book fan who's full of uh, enthusiasm and obsession. So, if you listening are one of those fans, please email us and tell us what you are obsessed with, and demonstrate your enthusiasm and your obsession. Our email address is screwitspidey at gmail. That is left over from our first season email address that we're too lazy to change we also have an instagram account screw it comics where kevin will put up um snapshots of the stuff that we talk about and we also have screw it recent which is just comics that kevin is reading that he wants to talk about and my brother is 
a voracious comic book reader. So there's really like a wide range of stuff on there and it's really cool. So I recommend all those accounts. Yeah, Jura, if you haven't read it, if it gets collected, I think you'd enjoy Batman Universe. Oh, it's a, it's a much lighter uh, Batman story that Brian Michael Bendis just did. Uh, it's beautifully drawn and it's it's silly and crazy, uh, but it's similar to it's like it, it's, it takes a lot of DC Universe stuff, uh, but it's it's lighter. It's just, Batman's funny. Oh, I, I love it when he's like deadpan and not purposely funny. He's funny right. in a not in a hammy way. He's funny and just sort of like he's a friendly guy hanging with his friends way. I don't know. It's a very different take, but it still feels like Batman. Anyway, the art is amazing. It's, it's a real fun read. Batman universe. Also, people should read. Um, oh, I should I should have did that one. Damn it. Um, uh, my three favorite things growing up was, was Batman, Ninja Turtles, and Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And so Batman teamed up with the Ninja Turtles, and it's the greatest thing I've ever read. <laughs> and, now, and now the Ninja Turtles are teaming up with Power Rangers. Like, if they do a three-way crossover, um, I am done. I am done. But, like, Batman Ninja Turtles is so awesome. Did they, so do, awesome. they do a Batman Turtles cartoon? Is that animated? They, they, did, the movie, they did a movie recently based on... Um, One of the comics? Based on the comics, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's super short. They're, like, three books, four books. Gerard, well, which of the things do you want to plug? We've, we've kind of plugged your stuff oh, yeah. already, but just I feel like there's always going to be a plug section. Uh, with no, this. please... Uh, you guys definitely help me out. Uh, please listen to Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood. And also, if you have Netflix, watch Astronomy Club, the sketch show. Um, you may have to type in Astronomy Club to find it, but just, just type it in. <laughs> yeah. uh, it will help us out. The, in the damn algorithm. Run. I had to look it up uh, Man, to watch it. Everybody's I, had to look it up. And it's, it's great. Killing me. It's great. And it should show up. It's like if you watch sketch shows, it should pop up. It should, it's insane. It should show up. Um, but, I, but again, it's, you know. It's based on the algorithm, so we're trying to make sure like they haven't done like well, an all black comedy. Not. Netflix is doing a lot so. of great sketch stuff. I really love. I think you should leave. I thought that oh, was yeah. an amazing sketch show. They have yeah. a new one coming out as well. Um, I'm sorry for the comedian. I don't remember who has the sketch show, but I know there's also another sketch show coming out. So yeah, they're definitely pushing sketch, which is That's really cool. really cool. They're That's giving cool. us a home for that, and they um, seem to be picking really good directors and producers because mm-hmm. I know the stuff seems to be um, really funny and have original voices. And since mm-hmm. they're not restricted to time limits you can have real short stuff and real yeah. long stuff and um because technology is so good the stuff tends to look really good but, and, that, and i think that's a limitation of old sketch is they didn't have the budgets to make it look good mm-hmm. now sketch looks real good so yeah that, that's cool yeah they care that's what i love yeah um kevin do you have anything to plug no man let's wrap it up all right Jarrah, thank you so much and uh, everybody uh we'll guys see you guys next episode kevin good job podcasting Thank you, Will. You did a good job, too. Okay, bye, everybody. Peace. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films, Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.